Hey fam, happy Sag season. It's me, Nikki. Some of y'all know me as Venus Roots. And you're tuned in for another conversation, another episode of Getting to the Root of It with Venus Roots. Today, our guest is an emerging multifaceted chef and culinary director that's changing the game for chefs and the culinary scene in America. Hey! <laughs> 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 Broke me out of character so quick. Um, welcome to the show, Kia. Thanks for coming Hi, over. Hi, thanks for having me. It is such season. Act accordingly. Show respect. Oh, Absolutely. That, that part. That part. <laughs> <laughs> I know you a Sag, and you just celebrated your birthday. I'm a double Sag, too. Oh. Sag sun, Sag rising. Oh, I'm a Sag rising, too. Come on, let's go. I know. <laughs> I'm like, it just hits different. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Kia, so mm. for people who don't know you, who haven't come across your work and your craft yet, let's let's go back a little bit before we go forward. Yeah. Talk to me about where's home for you? What's your background? Where do you mm. find your roots? Let's see. So home for me is here in Florida, um, specifically Central Florida, Orlando. Um, My second home being um, New York out in Brooklyn. Been there for about a year and a half. Um, Did you ask me my, I guess, what I do and all of that? Yeah, just like your background. Mm, Let's see. So I am, okay, well, I am Louisiana Creole on my father's side. Mm-hmm. Um, French Creole, and on my mom's side, um, Southern Black um, came through, brought through specifically um, through South Carolina, and then migrated down into St. Augustine, and then all the way down into Orlando as well. Um, that area, a lot of people refer to the people out there as Gullah Geechee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have these two, I won't say... Um, competing sides you know but just two very diverse parts of what it means to be southern um Mm -hmm. yeah and i use a lot of that influence i draw on a lot of that um in the work that i do as a chef um as a thinker as a creative person as a a southern woman southern black woman specifically Mm -hmm. you know and we were talking a little earlier but you know you've sort of turned the idea that food nurturing ourselves and our bodies and cooking isn't just this thing that women and femmes are socialized and forced to do Mm -hmm. but it's actually a craft yeah it's work it's Mm -hmm. work i remember um when i i guess when it first started to hit me like some years 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 ago that um as i mean i grew up where we were always cooking, you know, mm-hmm. women always cooking. I was raised single mom, um, by my grandma as well. And it wasn't until my mom had, um, married my, my stepfather at the time that I like saw another man cooking before mm-hmm. I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we all cook, but it still didn't really hit me that there was any like social differences in that, you know, until I tried to pursue it. And I, I saw that people were reluctant to see what I did as a craft or even want to pay me for it. And and that's the big difference is um, things, it becomes a man's thing when it's time to get paid, mm-hmm. right? It's like all these men are like, yeah, my mother, she taught me. I used to sit under my, you know, next to my grandma's apron and she would, you know, give me 
pieces of this to eat and that just you know that's why i have this like 12 seat tasting you know menu kind of restaurant blah 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 blah, blah you know mm-hmm. but like women were still it's like we're we're the inspiration for stuff but like when it's time like to get on the payroll it's mm-hmm. quiet real quiet it's real quiet all of a sudden so me myself also being self-taught and what i do also puts like i won't say puts me at a disadvantage because i mean i always have the advantage in whatever i do but um it just makes people act crazy because then you know going to culinary school is supposed to see it's supposed to be seen as this rite of passage Mm -hmm. and oh you've made it through all of these really harsh you know chefs and cooks and and like old french men and old european men and they have deemed you worthy Mm -hmm. to be able to cook i'm like well no one was talking about whether or not my slave ass ancestors were worthy enough you know to cook we were just out there doing it so why should anyone tell me that you know they deem what i do necessary Mm -hmm. i don't give a fuck (laughs) you know i do what i want to do um so that's pretty much where i am in my career i just do what i want to do yeah what a blessing i feel very blessed to have that confidence my mom definitely raised by a gemini she, hey, she yeah uh, raised by a gemini she molded me in the fires mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like you know what i do what i want to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you and you already alluded to it but the idea of culinary school just even as someone who isn't in that world and knows very little but from mm-hmm. my narrow understanding it's like Yes, it is a rite of passage, but using the benchmark and the value system of a Eurocentric world. Right. It's like it's a rite of passage, like made by white people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, isn't that backwards for me to then be giving power to white people to let me know if I can can do something? And some of the and I I mean, I got all of my training through hospitality jobs, mm-hmm. you know, Orlando, Florida, the Mickey Mouse, the Universal, all of that. Like you just in hospitality. Um, so it was the people next to me who gave me the okay, right? And not that they were looking at me to be like, well, can you? It was just I had to keep up with them because it's a team and nobody cares if you started yesterday or not. Like you have to get up there and you have to hold your own. So it was working with all of these people this whole time that um, made me feel like, okay, yeah, I got this. When they could trust me to assist them with the job, when they could, you know, didn't have to look over their shoulder and be like, Key, did you drop that? Key, did you flip that? I had already dropped it and flipped it and then helped them with that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I got my, my rite of passage. And I, I, I value that honestly so much more than I could ever value this imaginary culinary like education that wasn't afforded to me. It's also expensive mm-hmm. to get educations and you're set up to be in debt and then you're working where I'm working mm-hmm. at the beginning and you're like 40 something K in debt and we're on the same line firing the same fish. Mm-hmm. How'd that work? Mm-hmm. That don't work. <laughs> what sense does that make? Yeah. And also, you know, there's, there's such so many, uh, southern chefs particularly southern black chefs particularly right now not just you, you that are also collectively again flipping all of this on its head mm-hmm. saying i actually don't have to look to europe i don't have to look to french ta- techniques and tactics actually i can go and look right here look at home and learn from my ancestors absolutely i mean because we're for a lot of these things like we're the prototypes we're the ones mm-hmm. that taught your great 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 meemaw how to make that whatever pudding that she passed on to wherever else like that 
like we're the origin for a lot of those things and it's very inspiring to see this resurgence um of pride in in black chefs and and black cooks and and black hospitality workers you know Mm -hmm. because we span all of those things i mean hospitality was bred out of you know slavery so Mm -hmm. it's like we we're just finding a new pride in that by realizing that it we don't have to get a yes from anybody if I look at myself and I say yes this is what I want to do that's all I really need and a lot of people are excited and also really afraid of that because we're not looking for that same approval and granted there are some chefs that I deeply admire who do have that culinary background who do or who are like I went to France I went to what I worked at the French laundry I worked mm-hmm. at per se I did those things which I absolutely respect because mm-hmm. it's very difficult you know, it's very hard to, to, to get in there and to, and to hold your own and all that for anybody. Um, and then they're coming out of that and they're making the food they want to make. And some of them aren't even making what would be considered um, traditional Southern food, traditional black food, because, you know, blackness exists mm-hmm. outside of the South. They're making whatever they want, which is also really crazy to people. They're like, well, shouldn't you be making this thing? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, actually, I came out of school and Mediterranean food is really hitting it for me. <laughs> and they're making that. And it's just phenomenal for me to see us take up um I don't even want to say take up space because that I feel like that implies being in the way I, we just we're just alive and we're just doing it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you you know you actually what's exciting about you and the sort of positionality you're in is that you both are doing whatever the fuck you want to do and you're very clear and adamant about that yeah and you know, some people are going to be intimidated by that, and so be it. And then yeah. at the same time, some of the establishment is catching on. They're like, mm, you know, Kia's up to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always up to something. Even when I'm not working, my brain is just always like, chugga, chugga, chugga. And I've, I had to learn how to harness that because like that could really lend into being overworked. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side, you're just... You're, you're just always creating your mind is always thinking so I'm always I'm always up to something um and I feel grateful that a lot of people see that and have set up opportunities for me to be up to something but like with actual resources yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like you can always be up to something but do I have the like the the things necessary mm-hmm. to pull it off is is always a different story mm-hmm. yeah yeah, you were recently featured in the New York Times. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about that. You know, being approached, Ooh, the whole process, that, seeing it. Okay, so I actually got that um, email when I was at the tail end, la- like the last month of the restaurant that I was working at Lolita. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, I had gotten the email, forwarded from my old employer, Um and I looked at it and I was just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I read it some more and they told me what they were going to do. And I was just like, what? <laughs> but <clears throat> I was so just exhausted and in a daze that like it didn't really hit me. You know, even when I woke up at the crack of dawn to get to the restaurant to do this whole entire photo shoot before I had to then open for the shift mm-hmm. that I worked by myself. Um, it didn't really hit me. And the guy who was photogra- photogra- who was taking my photo, the photographer, um, I don't want to butcher his name, but maybe we'll find it and put it in the credits. But um, he he was telling me about all the other people being photographed. And he was like, oh, yeah, Chef JJ, uh, Chef Mashama, mm. Chef 
uh, McKinney Howell, uh, Ashley Sean. I was just like, hmm. <laughs> I was like, and me? And they're like, yeah, and you. And I was like, wow, okay, all right, all right. And um, when did it come out? I was here on vacation, a much-needed vacation after having a very intense um, mental breakdown. I had a very intense mental breakdown and left with my my girlfriend to Miami to just not do anything. Mm-hmm. And it had come out, and everyone was just losing their minds, and yeah. I couldn't even process it at the time because I was like, I am on the verge of death. Yeah. <laughs> I got to unplug. But once I was able to come back to it and read it and see what I have been a part of or am a part of and that people see me as this thing and now people around the world and the states and the globe or whatever know me from being you know 16 black chefs that are changing food in America I mean I'm speechless sometimes honestly yeah yeah no, congrats again. It Thank was, you. It was a beautiful article. Thank you. It is. I'm grateful. I am grateful. I'm blessed. Yeah. So talking about New York Times, New York, you, you recently made the move from Miami to New York about a year, a year and some ago? A year and some change. Orlando. I went from Orlando to New York about a year and some change ago. Um, I left because I got a job opportunity to be a sous chef at um, one of my friend's restaurants. Well, my friend's restaurant at the time. Um, And, I mean, I was trying to book it to Atlanta, if I'm being honest. But um, no one was offering me a job. Two chains did not call to ask me to be his personal chef. So I... I left. (laughs) I was like, well, two chains... If Titty Boy is not calling me... (laughs) Then that's that. Then that's that. I got it. I'm not about to be in Atlanta doing nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Decatur. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to go. So I got the the job opportunity. A a friend of mine saw that they were, long story short, a friend saw that they were hiring. And I didn't have the confidence to do it. I didn't really feel like I could. And and her being a a Capricorn queen was like, well, Mm -hmm. if you don't do it, I'll send the resume. And I was like, oh. So um, everything went well. And I I got the job. And I was like, well, I'm going to take this one-way ticket to New York City. And we're going to book it. We're going to see what happens. And um, I got there, got the job. And a few months in, I became the executive chef, which, <laughs> uh, which was, um, I mean, the job had to be done. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what are we, what, <laughs> what the hell are we going to do now? I was like, what are we, what are we going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't realize at the time, and I'm kind of glad I didn't honestly, that it was a symptom of a bigger sickness mm-hmm. that had taken root in the restaurant. And it was like a cavity, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, this, you know, it hurts a little bit. It's kind of funky, but I'm not really going to think about it until we're nearly a year in and you're like I have a whole abscess in the root of my jaw it needs to be pulled out like it's unwell mm-hmm. um but I didn't know all that so I took the job and it was a mix of like everyone being excited that this new you know black young queer girl is doing like a a I don't like a miracle child story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in New York wanted to know what was going on, who I was. They wanted to be the first ones to have an article about me, the clickbait, all of that. It was a mix of that. And then on the other side, being completely disrespected and unsupported mm-hmm. because 
I'm this young black, Mm -hmm. you know, girl on the scene, you know? And that's why I'm always so like on edge um, and skeptical. I'm always skeptical, but especially about attempts at diversity Mm -hmm. or or having, whenever I see a, a black person, other person of color, uh, minority of sorts in like some position, you know, and everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God. My first thing is like, are they taken care of? Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen if they're all right? How much do they make? Yeah. Do they have benefits? Um, are there other people in that space, in that job that, you know, can support them or talk to them? Is there HR, you know, mm-hmm. like what's going on? Because usually we're just used for looks. And then we're, we're, people always talk about the glass ceiling, but then sometimes people take us and put us in a slingshot and shoot us through the glass ceiling. You know, we didn't break it ourselves or anything like that. They push us and force us through and it hurts. No one Mm -hmm. wants to go flying through any glass. You know, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. And they leave you without the the tools, the support and the skills needed and the education to, Mm -hmm. to succeed. Yeah. To like keep things going to build off of stuff and then when things start slipping through the cracks when the sickness that was already present that was already stage three isn't all of a sudden in remission then everyone's just like oh it's that black person's fault it's that whatever person's fault it's that whatever and all of a sudden no one everyone who was lifting you up like khaleesi Mm -hmm. and game of thrones and all those brown people like oh my god everyone all the hands is gone Mm -hmm. you know hands is behind their backs Mm-hmm. all of a sudden you just on the ground everyone's just like um so it was definitely a big lesson um that I learned very painful lesson but I don't regret any of it mm-hmm. because I it showed me what it it just showed me what I could do and I'm like if I took it that far <laughs> with the stress I was under with the the abuse I had been um taking suffering from you know and with no resources at all like if I did it with all of that I imagine what I could have done if I had people in my corner if I knew who to talk to you know if I had time to sit down and and learn new things and be taught how to do that I'm like I could have really tore it up in the best way but it, it I made I had a lot of triumphs and I was able to make great food that I never imagined making. Um, and I had a lot of failures that I, I have reckoned with. I have, you know, processed them, thought them through and, and moved on from, but, um, it was definitely a wild experience. I don't think anyone could have imagined what it really was from the outside. Cause I mean, I was like a shooting star, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in so many ways, we were sort of trained and socialized that once you get to that position, you just have to be grateful and you just have to be thankful. And that any time that you point out complaints or that you poke out holes, mm-hmm. it's just a reflection of like your lack of gratitude or your lack of ability. Or yeah. your, it, it's always, it, it's like they put it as a mirror back to us because mm-hmm. it's like all of that is just inefficiencies from your end mm-hmm. you know so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because no one's asking like how are folks actually doing no one's asking how they do it. and i can't i can't i can't even count how many times i was told that i should be grateful mm. we should be grateful oh we made you oh well this could go oh well oh well and i thought that i internalized that because i'm like i just got here got this big old job 
is paying me hay pennies, you know, but I should be grateful because people are looking at me. And I did have some folks in my corner who were just like, Kia, we see you. And it is terrible. Wait for that opening. Wait for that moment. Wait for that whatever. Just like do what you can, you know, until then. And I remember when I got to that point where <laughs> I was just like, all right, I, f- I feel good. I know that I, if I have to leave, when I have to leave, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Enough people have seen me and they didn't see me just because, you know, I was some shooting star or some like cool thing because people, there are cool things all the time. Right. People, you know, and we, with the way things are set up, the attention span doesn't work the same way it used to however many years ago. So people see mm-hmm. stuff, you got three seconds and then that's it. Yeah. But people remembered me because I, I do consider myself a genuine person. I show up, you know, as who I am. I try to be as, as open and honest and kind and, and respectful of people. And I have things to say that are truly from my experience and how I feel. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not. <laughs> if people offer me things, I am grateful. I'm not. I'm just being me. And I yeah. think and I know that that's what actually carried me through. Like anyone can come and meet me. But if you really care for me or care what I got to say, then you're just going to move on. But people came and they saw me and they stayed and they reached out to me. And they offered me, you know, work even while I was there. They offered me support and community. And I couldn't reach out to everybody because it was so isolating. But um, people saw me, you know, through all of that. And it, it helped truly carry me to the end. Even though by the time I got to the end, I had like three brain cells mm-hmm. and like half a nerve left. Mm-hmm. And I was on FaceTime with my girlfriend sobbing sobbing I could even be seen it was so terrible um but I'm alive (laughs) I'm I'm here and you're thriving that's what matters thank you so much yeah oof it's right it's (laughs) it's because I feel you you know and 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 what's hard is because there's such narrow confines of what our society deems as successful yeah that sometimes I think it becomes challenging even for us, like even when things are feeling real off and when you're like, I know I'm not okay, even if I'm doing the panels, even if I'm doing the workshops, even if there's press, even Mm -hmm. if whatever it might be, I know I don't feel well, I don't feel supported, I feel my roots are loose right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, I I was telling you earlier, like, yeah, that was like the first six months of this year for me. And, yeah. And it's it's really conflicting and difficult. And, and you know, you don't want to disappoint people. And, yeah, you right. don't want to come off as ungrateful. You know, we're people that rely so much on gratitude and appreciation and community. Right. That I'm like, I don't want to let anyone down. Mm-hmm. But, I, if, I mean, the same, we're not offered the same, like, uh, care and, and what's mm-hmm. the word uh, benefit of the doubt when it comes mm-hmm. to that when white folks get into their places they're like I just gotta I just gotta go I'm just I'm better everyone's like yes go mm-hmm. get the face mask go to the spa you're fine blah blah when black folks and people call it just say yo my back hurts my mm-hmm. heart hurts I'm tired I'm this like I'm sorry I can't do this panel I can't be on this thing like but people just like oh okay or oh kia's you know mm-hmm. bitching again about whatever it's so difficult to get her it's so difficult to work with her it's so mm-hmm. and i've gotten that vibe a lot where i'm just like i'm so sorry and people are just like oh okay i remember i had one person and i mean i never work. i was talking i was like i never work with her a day in my life she kissed my ass but <laughs> i remember um just hounding me hounding me hounding me to use the space use the space to like for something 
prepping for something and I just couldn't. Like I could barely respond because I was so exhausted. Like I was having difficulties with ownership. So it's like I couldn't just give her the space. And then, of course, if they see some black person, ask another black person. And I go back to my white bosses and be like, can we do this for this? Then they're like, oh, you blackies are trying mm-hmm. to help each other out. Are you trying to, you know, yeah. that's the kind of environment I was in. You know, then this person didn't really care about who I was or was like, oh, I saw you. And, you know, as a black person, I need you to help me because blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you've never been here to see me, support me, talk to me. Do you know that I'm working brunch shifts every weekend by myself after working the line every night? Like, do you know any of that? Have you eaten my food? You're asking about someone who used to work here like a year ago. Do you even know who I am? Or are you just trying to guilt trip me into helping you because we have to stick together, you know? Yeah. And it was... So exhausting. And I remember I was like, I really can't deal with this. Pass off to the GM. Like, I can't, you know? And then she pulled up to the restaurant in the middle of the shift. I emailed you and I da da da. And since you don't, you know, want to email back, I had to pull up. And something in me just snapped. I was just like, like oh, <laughs> I was like, sorry to the listeners. I was like, are you fucking out of your mind? I was like, you don't see that I'm on this line by myself working. You think I can email you back about something? I was like, do you even care about me? I let her have it. And yeah. she was just standing there like, yeah, in the doorway. And I'm just like, I have to get back to work, mm-hmm. you know? And she left and did the stupid prep somewhere else for a dinner that I wasn't even invited to. And at that, that's when I was like, you know what? I do not give a damn. I come first, yeah. always. It's like, Ooh. if you really care about who I am and the work that I do, then you will understand what I need to say. Hey, no, you think you're the only one trying to get at me? You think you're the only one in my messages with probably a, another unpaid opportunity? Mm-hmm. Like, I got to go take care of myself. I have to go to sleep. I have to ease my mind. I have to tap out. That's why I'm like, you know what? I'm all about it. Like, Say no. Tell people I can't do this. And don't feel bad about it. And even sometimes I still do. My boo has to give me, nah, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Don't don't feel bad about that because they do not care. They will move on to somebody else. And when we talk about self-care, self-care has definitely went from a very radicalized concept started by a black lesbian Mm -hmm. to this super whitewashed, I'm putting on my face mask. I'm putting my phone on. Do not disturb. I'm self-caring it up. Can you come do this panel on self-care? Can we run you ragged to talk about self-care while we do the self-care? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, self-care is not real anymore. It's not real in a way that I feel like it should be. That's why I'm all about being like, fuck it. I'm not doing it. I'm not emailing back. I'm not whatever. I'm at, I'm at capacity. Yeah. Like I ain't got no more storage on the iCloud. I'm done. Mm-hmm. you just got to do it sometimes or we will die and when we die who cares nobody nobody cares when we die everyone's just like oh i i knew her i am so, so oh my god i'm so sad the locals before the class i'm so i knew her that one time when i asked her to do this thing and she didn't email me back mm-hmm. while i'm dead yep and i refuse to let anybody kill me I refuse. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to go in on that because I'm no. like, y'all will not kill me. There's no way. No. The the work that I do is is intense. The mm-hmm. the visibility that I have, everyone's eyes on me all the time. The boundaries, the lack of boundaries that people have when it comes to accessing me, to talking to me, to the the lack of respect that people have. So I have to get intense. Yeah. Borderline violent. I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> 
Straight I have to bow up on people or they'll kill me. Straight if I let them, they'll do it. They'll kill. They'll kill us if we let them. Yeah. No. I mean, that's my, that's a lesson that I have for this year. Yeah. And it's it's difficult, you know, because it, it's like, damn, no one's setting these boundaries for me. Mm-hmm. People making me feel guilty for setting these boundaries. People mm-hmm. making me feel guilty for saying no. Mm-hmm. No one's checking in. Nobody. All they want is to extract, 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 extract because we're just seen as these bottomless like pits of just like labor and sad mm-hmm. stories and information and all of that and it's just like oh here's this black person this brown person who is dying for an opportunity like let's you know run the ragged let's whatever whatever and and then you think well if it's not me then they'll just go to someone else and it'll yeah. never be me again it'll always be you it'll always yeah. be it'll always be us because we're what's popular right now mm-hmm. you know Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, well, I'll if you really care about me and what I have to say or what I have to do, then I'll talk to you in 2020. Period. I'll talk to you. April, I told everyone, April of 2020, I'll be open to listening to people again. But until then, I there's nothing to say. There's nothing to do. No. No. We resting. We are resting. <laughs> God. We are resting. And I'm such a fire sign that like I will keep going. Mm-hmm. I'll keep going on my own. So I'm like, if I don't set those boundaries within myself then I can't set them for the next person and they're not going to set them for me. So then it's just a, an intense codependent relationship that I've created with me and all these people who want to know what I'm doing, yeah. who want to get me to cook somewhere, who want to get me to whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the, the work will always be there. The life will always be there. As long as I get to wake up and breathe again, it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the creative process. You, you had the crazy year you did. I did. <laughs> But you also discovered so much in your craft. And yeah. Just deepening and deepening and deepening. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit. What's the process you've done? What's the private process? Dinners? <laughs> what? You know, how messy is it? It's messy. What is the process? Ooh, my if I could let people inside of my brain to like see how it's just always just like the synap. What is the synapses is the mm-hmm. word that we learn <laughs> in school. The synapses are always firing all mm-hmm. the time. And I... I take a lot of, like, as a Sag, I feel like a lot of people feel like we just have this fire going inside us all the time, which is true. It's a little burn, you know? But so much of it is what I'm surrounded with. Mm-hmm. That's what feeds me mm-hmm. and, and what I need. So when I think about creative processes and process, process <laughs> I'm just like, how am I feeling? What do I like? What's going on, you know? Um, Lalita was in... Chinatown, my baby looks so sleepy. <laughs> I'm looking at she's so sleepy. Um, I, Lalita was in Chinatown, and with it being a, a like a supposed to be like a Cali Latin influenced place, I was like, okay, well, we're also in Chinatown, taking up space here, mm-hmm. you know. And I use taking up space in the sense that we are in the way. Yeah. <laughs> in Intentionally, Chi- we are in the way in Chinatown. Um, in a place that's already being steadily gentrified. So it's like, all right, well, if we're going to be here, then I, I need to be not taking from, but just leaning into this place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of shopping in Chinatown, supporting local markets. If it was a green or something that I was like, well, this green would probably, you know, something here around town or the market could substitute as well. Um, if it was fish, then it was fish from the market. But now that I'm out of there, and I get to cook in a, in a freer capacity. Um, I've enjoyed just learning what other people like. Mm-hmm. Like I did a dinner 
with um cherry bomb my new job <laughs> i did a dinner with them and i cooked at the london plane with chef zara and chef zara um does a lot of mediterranean like middle eastern cooking um but also like being in seattle and like having seafood and all that so and like chicory and everything like that they love chicory um i just learned from i was just like well, what do you want to make you know and i got to watch her creative process and then lean into that and be like that's really dope i would also do it like this uh, a lot of my creative process is just learning mm-hmm. from other people right now um what other things oh i just did a really awesome dinner uh, which I feel like by the time this comes out, I have like pictures and things. But I did a dinner for um, this woman, Kimberly Drew, in New hey, York. We love Kimberly. Uh-huh. I think she's Heck. supposed to be next on the. Really? Oop. Surprise build. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I did uh, Kimberly's dinner for. That's so funny. I did Kimberly's dinner for Reebok. Yeah, it looked amazing. Yes, Beautiful. thank you so much. And it was just me asking, well, what do you like mm-hmm. <laughs> and she gave me her idea and i was like that's kind of what i was thinking as well and then i ended up doing this like elevated new york menu you know mm-hmm. taking new york foods and 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 putting it up a notch and having it balance you know between the regular regular and then like the fashion week you know and i i just like to i just like to step out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. you know i'm always trying to push the envelope even a lot of times i will put things on the menu that i've never attempted in my life just because the idea of learning that on the spot and executing it is exciting to me Mm -hmm. like i'm as i'm good at things (laughs) i don't know what else to say without sounding like flex but like i'm good at things and i pick up on things really fast and once i i set my mind to something and something really excites me like i zone all the way in until i'm good at it um and if i'm not that good at it i'll pull it off like like the like two second buzzer or something you know and um I, for now though, I am going to leave to the Caymans, um, in January. And I think I'm going to take that time to really focus on like, okay, what is my cuisine? Mm-hmm. Cause it's fun living through other people's voices and, you know, just moving around and having, you know, being a chameleon of sorts, but like, I'm ready to have something that I come to as my own mm-hmm. and something that's like my voice. Every chef has to have a voice. Like people that we collab, we cook other things, but you can look at other chefs and you know what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how they, how they speak, how they dress and meeting, you know, with their, with their cooking and stuff. So I'm like, you know what, now it's time for me to step into that for next year. And I'm really leaning into seafood specifically, yeah. um, being from the South, having all kind of coastal everything all through my blood, fried fish all the time, mm. <laughs> catfish, shrimp, crawfish, all of that. I feel like there's just so much richness in that and so much to explore because seafood, what's in the water is just like twice as much as what's going on, you know, here on land. Mm-hmm. And um, I I have a project in mind that I will also be like getting together about like a, I don't want no one taking my ideas, <laughs> even though no one can execute it the way that I will. But um, just a true exploration of what it means to go home, you know, yeah. and being home and my home being Florida. And then my my the home and my blood being, you know, South Carolina and then 
but also Louisiana and Texas. And it's just like having all of that in me and then being from a place that people for some reason don't consider the South. It's just mm. so much. And, and I think a lot of that I want to tie into seafood because I mean, we took that really painful voyage from Africa all the way across the water. And not a lot of people, you know, a lot of people did not make it um, on the other side of that. And I feel something really powerful when I'm in the water, when I get to just sit in the water and chill and relax and enjoy that and know that people died. Mm -hmm. Ancestors died. Enslaved people died in this water, Mm -hmm. in the same water that white people get in their yachts and they just kick it, you know, or jumping off from their docks, you know, in their fancy neighborhoods or like, or just littering in, you know, if we go to certain beaches, no shade, Daytona. So it's just like, (laughs) there's so much, there's so much in the water. And I, wow, that's a nice title. So much in the water. But I, that's what I'm leaning into next. And I think a big part of that will be me learning seafood, learning seafood, and maybe also learning how to swim. So we'll um, I'll keep you Florida posted shit. on that. that Isn't some that Florida some Florida shit. stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so Mark, my, y'all hold me to it. I'm giving myself five, six years to get it done. But um, that's that's where my heart is right now, so. And once, I mean, once my heart is on it, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds amazing. Thank you, love. Sounds ancestral. It, it sounds healing. Very healing. And, and I know I came out here to talk about my jobs, and I really want to tell you about my job as a culinary director, because I'm still grateful for it. But it's like, there's just something so powerful. Like, when I thought about I when I went on that trip to Miami, I remember I, I went out into the water, and it was like beautiful daytime and I just sat in it by myself and I just quietly wept. Mm-hmm. I cried. I cried because I was like, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. But then I'm in this water and I'm like, wow, I feel so surrounded and protected. And then I was just like, oh, I feel like there was just a rush, a rush of emotions. And to know that people can go through these really intense lives and terrible situations and everything's so wild. And then somewhere out there, someone's just sitting in the water just chilling while everyone else is losing their minds and I was like wow and one part of my life I was losing my mind being abused being exhausted like like attempting at my own life at some point and then thinking of when I thought about jumping in the water in New York to like just let's take it out we're done you know to like oh almost like I don't know almost a year later like sitting in the water in Miami being alive being alive and that's so intense and I'm like I have I was like I have to write about it I have to let it out I don't know what it's gonna look like if it's gonna be a memoir slash research slash cookbook slash stories of other people like it's probably gonna be a whole mosh posh of that but um but yeah it was just it's just crazy how like those two extremes can exist like it can take your life it can give you life it can restore you it can end you mm-hmm. and and it's up to us you know, like where we want to go on that tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. My family is Caribbean. So and, and being from Miami, so many moments of my life that have felt, you know, kind of like on the verge, just like using the ocean mm-hmm. as just an anchor. Yeah. I'm just like, OK, I'm going to be OK. Right. You're like, I'm going to be OK. Mm-hmm. You're like somehow some. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's where yeah. that's where I was at. No, and I was I was in Brazil earlier in Bahia specifically, and one of the nights I was kind of just like on the port, and you know it's 
you know, it's near like what used to be one of these big ass Brazilian slave ports. And, you know, it's just the Atlantic being as fierce as always. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just started crying. And I'm like, the Atlantic has has been through so much. So much. Like, people have been through so much. Right. But it's still here. But it's still here. And like the water didn't ask for any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. It didn't make people do what they did or whatever, but it's seen it all. And I'm like, you got to put some respect. Yep. <laughs> Please put some respect on the water. Yep. So, um, let, let's talk about you are the direct the culinary director culinary sh- director at cherry, cherry bomb. bomb magazine i love that i love how it sounds <laughs> culinary director at cherry bomb magazine <laughs> i got the peanut gallery in the back to- hey hey <laughs> i wish y'all could see them culinary director of cherry bomb magazine i say it and i'm just like uh so blessed so blessed i mean carrie found me when I was working at Lolito, my lunch cooker just quit, left me there. I was struggling. The owners did not care. I had no staff. I was putting out a new menu. It was terrible. And I found out that Carrie from Cherry Bomb and Becca from, um, or Beck, sorry, Becca, Becca, head Becca. Yeah, Becca from Becca PR, big PR firm um, in New York and Los Angeles were coming in to eat. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, I don't know how I'm going to see them because there's tickets down the line. I look terrible. I'm miserable. But I went and I spoke to them and I remember listening to them talk and like be excited about my food and me and all that. And I was just like, how do I send like Morse code to tell them to save me? (laughs) I was just like, how do I, do I blink it out? Do I like text them? Do I write on the paper? Please help me and slide it over. But I had no idea what they were about. Like I know who they are and all that, but I was like, in what capacity, like, can these people support me? Do they have my back? But um, Carrie loved my food, had me on the podcast, the Please Radio Cherry Bomb. <laughs> my episode is on there as well as others. But um, she brought me on the, the radio and then had a few gigs for me as well. And and I caught wind from one of her um, old employees that I was just not well. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to poach me unbeknownst to me a long time ago but she was like you know what i think kia wants to stay let her let her stick it out for now and when i left no lie maybe like three days after i had left i get a message from carrie because she had my number gives a number out to everybody which she should stop but she got my number and text me hey kia it's carrie diamond as if i don't know who it is it's carrie diamond and can you come to carol gardens and I just want to talk to you about something. Now, I thought that she wanted to talk to me about this other opportunity to interview this really amazing chef that actually is going to happen. So y'all be on the lookout for that. But I thought that's what she wanted, you know? So I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to act like I don't know, but this will be fun. And I rolled up the Kira Gardens, broke as a joke. I was like, at the time she owned a cafe and I was like, I hope she gets me some food and something to drink because I am have no money in my account. <laughs> but um. <laughs> I pulled up and I was like, hey, Carrie. <laughs> and she was like, started telling me about, you know, Cherry Bomb and how she's feeling and all that. And I'm like, did she bring me all the way over here to vent? I was, but I was like, you know what? Carrie Diamond texted me, so it don't fucking matter <laughs> what she wants with me. She texted me to come over. And um, I'm sitting down and she's like, yeah, and Cherry Bomb is growing and I think we're ready for a culinary director. I was like, okay. And she was like, and I only want you 
to be our culinary director. It wasn't even a Kia, will you be us? She was just like, I only want you to be our culinary director. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm always at a loss for words with her. I was like, what? I was like, oh, okay, well, like, what does that mean? And she was just like, you have the eye. She's like, you have an eye. You have an eye for what's in. You have an eye for like what's now, what's coming. She's like, your Instagram in itself is like a whole editorial spread. And it's just the way you are. She's like, you're not even trying to do it. Facts. It's just the way you are. And on top of that, she's like, and you're a cook. You're a great chef. And she's like, a lot of chefs, like, there's not a lot of them that want to be in the spotlight in that way. You know, a lot of people are just like, I'm in my kitchen and that's it, you know? And then there are some people who are, you know, the personality of sorts, but then it's like, it's doesn't translate as like a chef in itself. And she's like, but you're right there in the middle of it. And I, I want you to do it. And she changed my life. Well, right. I love it. <laughs> Baby crying. <laughs> No, Carrie, I Ooh. I try to tell her every chance that I get. And I think we're going to have a cute little like end of the year roundup. But I have to tell her that she absolutely, Carrie, wow, I could cry thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. My friends are crying. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm not crying. My eyes are watering. I'm a Pisces moon. Oof. Right? No, Ch- Carrie changed my life. Since I have been with her, I have been given so many opportunities that I like never could have imagined for myself. And it only just started, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I've been able to cook and like for, for people and for gigs and I have an opinion that matters to people. We shot our we recently put out our fashion plate issue, which is five magazines, right? Never been done before. And I helped in that. I helped with the shoots. I have an interview with Angela Demayuga as the cover story. Um, Like I have a few other stories in there and like it's, she's asked me about, you know, what should we do next? I I, I helped with Jubilee doing, you know, getting, went, I was back and forth in Seattle for months, like meeting people out there, talent, food and all that. And I was able to connect some of them with the cherry bomb world and then have some of them at Jubilee, people who were just like, wow, I never would have thought this could happen for me. Thank you so much. You know? Mm -hmm. At Jubilee, I had chefs, people out there who I admire, hugging me. It was just like, thank you, Kia, so much. Please send me these pictures, text me. Like, mm. I'm like, what? <laughs> me, you know? And there's, and that's, and I mean, this was just in the last few months, you know? And I have a whole rollout for 2020 and all these community things I want to do and the food and finance high school and all of that. It's like the sky is truly the limit, but like I, I've always felt that way. But, like, sometimes we just don't have the resources to do it. Right. And sometimes it's hard for a really, really, really long time until someone comes around and lets you know, hey, I don't want it to be hard for you anymore. And Carrie did that for me. Carrie absolutely did that for me in a real way that, like, I don't think anyone else has truly had that same impact. And now I'm in a position where I can get things going and look at someone else and be like, hey, I don't want it to be hard for you anymore. Mm -hmm. So how can I help you? And before was just being seen so that people can look at me and be like, I could do it too, you know? And I'll be honest about, I, you can do it too, but I, it is hard. And if you ever want to reach out to me and my DMs about how hard it is, let me know. If you want my number, I give my number out to, to black women, black kids all the time, femmes, queer people. I'm like, text me the same way Carrie does. I got to stop. But I'm like, hit me up because it's hard. 
It's so, baby says, stop. It's hard, you know? And she literally, she's like, I don't want it to be. And she tells me all the time, I don't want it to be hard for you anymore, Kia. How can we help you? How can, you know, Kate, our publisher, they're like, okay, how can we start negotiating things for you for 2020? Because you big dog now. You don't need to be chasing your money. You don't need to be chasing down to cook food. How can we help this for you? Because we are invested in you. True investment. And I have not felt that until now. And I'm talking to people I never thought I could talk to. I'm on first name basis with with chefs. And granted, I... I Garn, I, I put a lot of those relationships together for myself before this, but like I was too tired to talk to people. I was too whatever. But like now I was like, I'm, I'm tired in a good way. I'm exhausted from a long day of intense work from expanding my mind because we created a cookbook. I'm going to create a cookbook with my job. The second one. It's just like, what? You know? And I, I spent a lot of time being like, what the heck? But it's never in a a tone where I'm just like, there's no way this should be happening to me. This absolutely should be happening to me. I work my ass off. I don't know anybody that works as hard as me. Period. You know? But like, it's, in a way, it was just like, damn. I love it. I love it. I'm happy. And I'm not in a box anymore. I do what I want. I dress how I want. I talk how I want. And I cook down at the same time. And I can do it for other people now, put other people on. You know what I mean? That's why I'm like, and none of this would happen for me if I had relied on somebody else's yes. Yeah. No one else's yes matters to me besides my own. Mm-hmm. If I feel good about it, I'm going to do it. If I fail, if I only fail because I stayed down. I get up, I do it again. I do it a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how I've made it this far, and I think that's how I'm going to keep it going for the rest of my life, Lord willing. Yeah. We gotta <laughs> let the We got to let the people who listen to our yes with affirmation and mm-hmm. listen to our no mm-hmm. as a no mm-hmm. to be the ones that we trust yeah that we build with absolutely absolutely that's so yeah that's so true <laughs> need to listen to these yeses and listen to these no's and and respect them but mm-hmm. then we can go for it and you know granted sometimes i say yes to something and someone's like mm, kia <laughs> I don't know, but I trust those people. Yeah. I trust those people where they, because they see, they know who I am, they know how I operate, they see what I see, and they want, me, they want to help me get there just as much as I want to get there. Mm-hmm. And those are the, those are the only opinions I, I even bother with. Give them the time of day. Yeah, now you're just reaping fruits, right? <laughs> now we eat it. Yeah. I mean, um, harvest I'm, season. <laughs> it's harvest. Yeah. I'm eating way more than I was before, and you know, I can stand to have a little more on my plate. I'm not gonna lie. I would like to, you know, I was going from like one eating one time a day, maybe like two times, and now I want to eat whenever I want. Yeah, snack time, dinner, breakfast, yeah. <laughs> dessert, midnight snack, a little juice, like, right? A little juice. <laughs> Come get y'all juice. <laughs> So, Kia, you just turned 26 this weekend. Happy birthday. Crazy. Thank you, 26 rotations, yeah. So, what are we shedding and leaving behind, but what are we also inviting? Wow, what are we shedding and leaving behind? Um, hmm. That's such a good question. I thought I had thought about it, but now I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe I didn't really think about that. What am I shedding and leaving behind? Um, overworking myself. I'm going to let that go. Um, overworking yourself is not going to get you anywhere. Just, I mean, we've heard of the burnout, right? Um, I'm going to let that go. Feeling like if I'm not working in this very moment, then I, you know, it's done for me. It's, you know, curtains. So I'm going to let that 
let that go. And going forward, I'm going to usher in, I was talking about this on my birthday with Sasia, but going forward, I really want to embrace, um, I guess, I don't know if this is letting go of it, but I just want to embrace the idea. I want to embrace the idea of mortality, right? Understanding that, you know, there is an expiration on my physical being. But I think in conjunction with that, I am able, once I understand the expiration of my physical being, I have a deeper appreciation for the work that I do that will live on forever, right? Um, I, as long as I, you know, stay true to myself and write the things I want to write and say the things that I want to say and cook the things I want to cook and all that, that lives on forever, right? As long as I continue to inspire people, reach out to people when I can, like once I'm gone, as long as they're here, it lives through them. And then they're going to tell someone else about the work they do. Someone's going to look back at these magazines. Someone's going to look at this book. You know, maybe if it gets reprinted, there'll be multiple prints of this There's a book. Someone's going to look back and, and see the work that I do, and that's going to keep them going. And I, I lost my brother when I left to New York, uh, right before I left, and it was traumatic, you know? I mean, duh, right? And it terrified me. I was just like, fuck. He had a birthday, 25. Yeah, because then I turned 25 after him. 25. And then the, a month and some change later, his life, he was gone, you know? I was like, fuck, I'm terrified. I'm terrified to live. I'm terrified to do anything. But then when i home for the first time a year later and I'm looking at his pictures and those feelings that I get from him, I'm just like, you know, he's living on just like I am. And I think going forward, I'm going to embrace that. No, I won't be walking. I pray that I don't walk this dusty earth for the rest of my life. I don't want to be physically immortal. I would like to pass on to a next life, to move on, to, you know, to be laid to rest. But all the work that I do, that's that's where the immortality lies. And that's where the seeds are planted. And I want to make sure that I'm doing work that matters. So then the life that I give over and over again is always going to be fruitful and full of, of light and, and care. And, and all. I want people to look back and be like, Kia, Kia did some good stuff. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm taking that in. <laughs> Please. I had a whole tangent. I was just like, oh my God. I was like, like we can just live for I was like the work that we do I have so many people who inspire me who have since passed and I'm just like but I'm a seed of that you know it's like I I told my friends a long time ago when I was in Tallahassee I was sitting we were sitting around a dinner table just eating and it just hit me I don't know and I was just like I refuse to live a mediocre life I don't want to do it mm-hmm. and mediocrity can mean anything to every you know to anyone it doesn't have to you don't have to be living the life that I live you know like whatever not everyone's big time whatever chef you know but like whatever that means to you it's like I don't want to be mediocre I was like I can't I can't be mediocre I can't be given this life and do nothing with it or not touch somebody or do something or whatever I refuse to do that and I have held on to that ever since I'm like and I look at my life now and 
it's mind blowing. And I was like, yeah, I did it. Uh, my life isn't mediocre mm -hmm. and it's going to get even more wild. I, Lord willing, I have 26 more years and another 26 more years. And then I'll be what, like 78. And who knows Lord, if I'm alive, who knows what I'll be doing at 78? Like I'm not going to stop, you know? Um, I want to live a life that's fruitful and exciting and dynamic and happy and sad and whatever it's going to be. But I will guarantee you that it will never be mediocre. Yes, and let it be real, please. Real. I can only be real. I'm a double satch. I don't know what else. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do but be real. Akia, thank you so much for coming over. Thank you. Coming over, girl. I drove. Girl, <laughs> I drove that. like we drove like four hours. <laughs> to be here no thank you for having me i'm so glad this to rail <laughs> thank you for linking it up stassi thank you for driving down here with my sleepy baby and thank you love thank you for having me no thank you this is a beautiful pivot in the culinary world i'm excited to see you lead it i'm also hopeful that people take this as a a gentle and also not so gentle reminder that we all deserve support mm -hmm. we deserve compensation for our labor we deserve rest. <laughs> Don't get we deserve me care. Mm -hmm. We deserve better. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. <laughs>